Alright, if you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 12, and we'll be continuing our study systematically through the book of Acts. And what we like to do is just look at, once it comes up, we'll look at four major points um, in this book, but we'll go, I mean, excuse me, in this chapter, and what we like to do is go through the entire chapter, time permitting, and with the Lord's help. And so let's just ask him for help as we look into his word. Our Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a light. Uh, we know that it is a light to our path, and it shows us what's coming ahead, Lord. And so we just ask, Lord, that you speak, for your servants are listening. In the Lord Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going through the, the book of Acts, and some has titled it as you could look at your own uh, Bible, um, and what it says, it's the Acts of the Apostles. And that is true. And it's these men who have been brought out of different areas, different professions. Uh, they were all Jewish. Um, they weren't expecting the Messiah, but God prepared their hearts. And when they met Him, they followed Him. But then something happened. The Messiah went through um, some rejection. And ultimately it was... The things that were written of him happened. He suffered and he died. And then they scattered, right? And then what brought him back? Well, it was the work of God in their life, right? It wasn't that somebody came up and started to rally the troops. Well, it's the acts of the apostles. But also some people have said it's still the acts of God. It's, we see all three persons still working in these group of believers. And even today in the church, we see all three persons of the God uh, Godhead still working. The Father moving amongst the church and... and and preparing, as we're just hearing about end times, preparing the day that, the, that His Son will be revealed. He will reveal His King from glory. And He's moving in different uh, in the lives of individuals as Christians. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But we also see the Son of God also still working. While He's not here on earth, He's gone back to heaven, and now He's uh, taking up a, a new office as high priest. And He's interceding for the Christian's behalf. And here he is, and even though they could not see him, he was not seen except for a, you know, a couple of stories. He did reveal himself. He's there interceding for their behalf and still leading them. But also the Holy Spirit, the Helper. And him coming down and taking over that ministry that the Lord Jesus uh, was there physically on earth, now the Holy Spirit and dwelling in uh, believers. And so the acts of God still continuing in this book. But we come to this chapter, and there's... I like the book of Acts for several reasons. Because it shows us what the early church did. And what about today? Is it any different? What is God doing today? Is He doing anything different than He was then? While the location has changed for us personally, physically here, God is still at work. And we need to adjust our vision to what He's doing. We need to adjust our eyesight, right? Uh, sometimes you'll see me... Uh, squinting a lot, you know, some say, hey, what's wrong? Well, you look like you're looking at the sun. Well, it's because I've gotten so used to not wearing my glasses, which I do have them, but I'm trying to see what's that ahead? You know, what, what's going on? And so we go to the doctor, get glasses, right? We get our vision. And how much does it change the way that we walk, the way that we move? You know, to illustrate this, this is funny. I, I told my sister this, but about two weeks ago, I was coming down my steps, my... Um, my, one of my sisters lived across the street, and I was like, you know, I came down, and I happened to see 
which I thought at the time was Megan's car there. So in her parking spot. So I'm walking down. You know, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I'm, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to scare her, you know, touch the window or something, you know. And I get down and, all, you know, wrapped up with that thought and just moving in and out of the cars. And, you know, and then finally when I came to my senses about the time to go do it, I kind of looked up to see what was there. And then my vision then registered what was really going on. It wasn't Megan's car. There was a figure there staring at me like this grown man, like kind of going through this stuff. And so I kind of got up and I was like, I pretended like I dropped my keys and walked to my car. So the point is, and I say that for one thing. One, if you're a brother, don't antagonize or tease your sister, right? That was a lesson there, personally. But if I had my vision corrected, how much it would have changed the way I walked, the way that I saw and perceived things. And so we look at the book of Acts, and especially this chapter, there's some, there's some truths here that would, should change our perspective on how we see life. And how does it reflect in our own life and how we move? And so what we're going to do is just go read right through it. And when they come up, we'll take a break and we'll just look at it briefly and the time remaining that we have. And so Acts chapter 12, you read along with me. In verse 1, it says, Now at that time Herod the king laid hands on some of who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And so the first thing that should shock you, and that, well, depending on, on who's reading that, if you're a Christian or not, perhaps that if you're not, and you're going through this book, and you're reading it, and you're seeing how they're brought back, these disciples are gathered back again, and the Holy Spirit comes down, they're empowered, right? And we see the church growing, and we see numbers coming to it. And then, you know, the different people from uh, different backgrounds are saved. It's not just for the Jews only, but the Gentiles, even the those of the circumcision, the Jews were surprised at the Gentiles, uh, that God has granted them life, uh, repentance that leads unto life. But we see, even up to this point, different stories, right? We had, uh, just last week, Cornelius, a soldier, and his background, and yet he could come on the same basis as, the, as those before them. Uh, the basis of God's uh, plan of salvation, the Lord Jesus saving him, right? But then we read of something else. We, read, we see this ongoing evil. Hasn't God already come, and hasn't he won the victory for us? Why is it then that his church, his own people, are still suffering? And that's the first thing that we notice if this thing will work, just advance it for me if it's not working, is the perpetual uh, evil in the world, the ongoing evil. Why is it that evil has not been fully dealt with right now? And 2,000 years later, what difference is it? Has it changed at all? Maybe it's gotten even worse, you might think of, right? It's gotten worse. And the hostility of, of this world and its system, those who are a part of it, against God and His program are even greater, right? Well, this is not something that's unexpected. Um, over in John chapter 16, in verse, let's just look at verse 1. This is foretold, the Lord Jesus before His death, they didn't, realize, they didn't register to them what was happening. They thought, you know what, here He is. We found the Messiah and He's going to restore the kingdom. And he's going to drive out the Romans. And he's going to oppress everybody that has been oppressing us. And he's going to establish the kingdom. But 
See, we look at it with hindsight 2020, see what God is doing, but see, it hasn't been open to them what exactly the Lord was going to do and what he had to go through and suffer and be. We just read this morning that he endured such hostility of sinners against himself. Our own hearts, what we thought about God in the rebellion came out at the cross, right? But he says to these things, he says, these things I have spoken to you, verse 1 and 16, John, that you may be kept from stumbling. Who doesn't want to know that? Right? How can I walk through life without being stumbled? Well, what's the subject? They will take, they will make you out, they will make you out, uh, they will make you outcast from the synagogue. And in the hour, but every hour coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering a service to God. Guess what? You're going to be cast out of your, your friend circle. The places where you were so comfortable with. And they're going to say to you, and it's going to be proclaimed that, you know what, they're doing God's service and you're not. And so ahead of time, and this would come back to them later, and of course, you know, it's, the whole, it's, 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 it's God in heaven as we seek. The, the Lord Jesus still interceding for them and praying for them and them moving through and the Holy Spirit bringing these words back to them. But this is to refresh your mind that, you know what, the system is against the Lord. And while it looks like Things are not in control. They are. And so these, these group of people were going to go out and, 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 and fulfill the will of God and carry the message of the gospel. But guess what? There's going to be people that thought they were doing the service of God and kill them or throw them out of the synagogue, it says here, or persecute them. So it was foretold by the, by the, uh, by the Lord himself. And then at the end of it, it says this, at the end of John 16, it says, Jesus answered, verse 31, do you now believe the hour is coming and already has come for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave me and to leave me alone? But yet I am not alone because the father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that you may have peace in the world. You have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And so. He's speaking to these things for their benefit, for their benefit. You notice that it says, these things I have spoken to you that you may have peace. And so while we walk this world and, and we think, well, persecution, and this is something I thought of myself too. Well, we think, well, that's just physical. That's, that's the government coming after them just like this. You know, this, this, this actually instance is the first recorded persecution by a government figure by the authorities, right? We, we know the persecution of Stephen, but that was more like a, a mob, mobbish, you know? They were kind of just impulsive. There was some kind of, you know, they, they were trying to false trial, and they were trying to get something on him, and they were just so angry with him that they just went out and stoned him. But here's the first time where government officials, and it's legal, stretching out and murdering somebody. James, the brother of John. But these are the words of the Lord Jesus that he reminds those apostles, and yet for us today, because here we have it written. These things I have spoken to you, that you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. You will have it. It's guaranteed. He's told us already. But take courage, I have overcome the world. And so that is something that we refresh our minds to. This morning we were just thinking about the Lord Jesus and his death on the cross. And while the, lo the world will look at that and say, look at that, he's defeated. He's dead. And they say, oh, maybe we can't find where he's buried, but, and, and then maybe they'll wear a cross, and, and there he is on it. And that's where they think of the Lord Jesus. He's still on the cross, or he's still dead. But 
you know, that's not the reality, right? We know that he has been brought back up into heaven, and that's the point. If you go to the next one, Abel, is is the Lord is on the throne until his return. And so in Psalms 110, probably one of the most quoted Psalms in all of the New Testament, and even the Lord himself quotes this, how can we get our vision? How can we have our perspective uh, changed? Well, we go to the Word of God, right? And it says this, The Lord has said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. And so the first thing is, is there's a conversation within the Godhead. And, you know, I don't know if I told you this, but I, I, I was at a... Uh, Jamel's house one time and I was noticing one of his sons and you know he he was trying you know all the kids were out there playing their thing and doing their whatever they were doing out in the living room and doing their kid things right any kid would want to be out there but he was so interested in hearing what the adults were talking about and maybe he'd even understand what was going on right but he was excited to hear it but how much more when we are allowed to, to look uh, to hear what is going on between the Godhead when they're speaking to each other. And he's saying it loud enough. Is he saying it for himself? No, he's saying it loud enough for us to hear and for us to change our perspective and to realize the truth. Sit at my right hand. And so it's God the Father talking to the Son. He's been invited back up. And what, what, when was that that the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, ever vacated that position at one time where he chose to come down and be born of a, uh, of a virgin, right? And fulfill the will of God and securing our redemption, and enduring such hostility of sinners, going to the cross, three days dying, three days later being raised back up, and this is God the Father inviting him back up to that position that only he could uh, occupy, the right, hand of the, the right hand of the Father. And when we think of the right hand, we think of, uh, of what, what in America would be the highest station of authority. Well, it would be... Well, the president, you would say, but what about where he's at, the Oval Office, right? And so that's sort of like when we think of God's, uh, when we think of the order of creation in the universe, and it transcends that even though we might not know, but the right hand of the Father, the very highest place that only God can occupy, and it's not any angel or any mere, most, uh, mere man, but it's God himself. And then uh, this next verse, too, I, sometimes we, we skip over and we go down to you know the priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, and that's a great verse, another true tr uh, truth, but it says, The Lord will stretch forth thy strong step, scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of thine enemies. And so as we look at that beleaguered nation, and, and even now if we read the news, you know, Israel now supposedly is anti-Israel, and they're, and they're kind of becoming favorable to the Arabs. And you know, you know us Christians here living in this, uh, in this nation, we say, well, you know, we were so favorable then, and maybe that's why we, God blessed us, and I don't know for sure. But the fact of the matter is every single, per, every single nation in this world will be against Israel at one point, and that includes the United States. As friendly as they are then or whenever or now, that will include them. Why? Because that, Israel, uh, that nation has been chosen by God. But God has also chosen that his Messiah will come back and rule it says he'll stretch his strong scepter out from the midst of Zion, the location where it would come from. And so, um, 
from there, that's where the Lord would rule. So what does that mean to us? Well, you know, we walk through the Christian life, and, and we, as I said, sometimes we can see certain uh, situations, and, and we see uh, catastrophes, and we look at the news, and the news is not really great to, for encouragement, right? I mean, you can look, and there's always something negative on there. Well, how do we make sense of all of it? How can we readjust our, our vision and our perspective and how we walk? Well, we see we see the Lord, and this is what I wrote on here, is to see the Lord on the throne, and he's there until his return. And so there's this period of time where evil is allowed to continue. Evil is allowed to continue, but there will be a time when he will come back. And it says, actually, in, in, in Thessalonians chapter 2, it says um, that he will deal out retribution to those who do not know God, and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there will come a time where the wrongs will be righted. And everything that we see that's wrong to get this world and the justice that we don't see happening and, and people getting off scotch-free and, and sometimes we feel that, well, why is it that it's coming on me? Well, that's the next part. In verse 3 it says, And he said, and he saw, this is Herod, that it pleased the Jews, and he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And this was during the days of unleavened bread. And he seized him and put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. And so the next thing that we see is while James and Peter were both apostles, but this is the first apostolic, if you read Fox's Book of Mars and and some of that is church history, and, and he gets it from different sources. But all the apostles, I think excluding John, uh, the brother of James, actually, all died violent deaths because of the name of Jesus. The, 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 the world um, personified their hatred against God, and per, as was predicted by the Lord Jesus, and they, they did nasty things to these Christians, right? And James died. Well, how come Pete, now Peter's put in prison? And, you know, I don't know what was going through his head. It's not, it's not written here. But I don't know what's going through your head sometimes when, when hard times come upon your life. And, and, and why is it that I have to go through difficulties? How come God doesn't make it just a nice smooth path for me to go on and, you know, let me just go straight to heaven on a nice slip and slide. Woo, you know, and it's nice and there's no bumps on the ride, right? But guess what? You know, the Lord's on the throne. Right? And there's a heavenly father, and he's doing something in our life, and he's performing something. You know? um, and the next thing that we want to look at is, is personal suffering. And, and this is just a brief overview, just some things to think of um, as we look at Peter's life. But you know, Peter's a very interesting character. He's a lot like us. Um, you know, he, he's very bold, and he, he speaks quickly before thinking, and, and sometimes he, you know, he puts his foot in his mouth a lot. And, and, and it's not to, to bash on him, because we can put ourselves in that own situation too. You know, we're susceptible to the same things. And he, you know, he's eager to serve the Lord, and, and, and he says, you know, uh, the Lord Jesus tells his apostles that you're all going to forsake me. And, and, and he even tells Peter that Satan has a desire for you. And he wants to sift you as wheat. But what is the thing that keeps them together? What is the thing that keeps those disciples going and keeps them from not falling? Well, it's the intercessory work of, his, of their high priest and our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. But what, what, what was the purpose of those things? In Peter's life, 
you know, he was brought through those times and, and he, he ultimately rejected and, uh, and ran away, right? Um, he said, I will never leave you. But guess what? The Lord told him ahead of time that he was going to do it and he still did it. You know, we would think, oh, you know, you know, as strong as we are, you know, we kind of muscle through things. Oh, I'll never do something like that. And we can look at certain Christians and we say, you know, and God forbid that we say this. Oh, look at them. I'll never do something like that. As if to say that there's something different than what I am. You know, they have the same flesh that I do, right? And we need to be, we need to be in prayer about it. But, and we'll talk about what we, what's our interaction with them. But between us and God, how can we make an understanding of these hardships that God brings? Does he have a purpose? Well, we can think of a couple of examples. Uh, as we go back to Peter... Um, he was told that after he comes back, after he's restored to go and strengthen his brethren, he was going to use that experience, his hardships that he was going to have, and he was going to strengthen and encourage his brethren. He was going to use the things that he learned about the character of God and how he restores somebody who completely turned his back in the sense that he ran away. He wanted nothing to do with it. Right? But in Acts chapter 2, when he had the same opportunity to, de- to deny and run away, he passes it with flying colors. It's not anything of, of Peter, but because he humbled himself. Right? And that's where the Lord wants us is to be humble. But you think of also another example is the children of Israel. You know, we can look at their whole, their whole, um, their whole story of being saved out and the wilderness story. It says expressly that God didn't lead them a certain way because there was a shorter way straight to the promised land. Why didn't he lead it that way? Because they would see war immediately and they would turn back to Egypt. They would turn back to that place of slavery. And there's something that God is teaching us through these experiences. He was teaching them how to fight then, right? He was also teaching them um, in Deuteronomy chapter 8. You know, we, I think we just sung that song. Um, well, sometimes we sing it. But if you ever know where man does not live by bread alone, he was teaching him something. You know the wilderness journey. You know he, they were fed. There was complaining and stuff like that. We know those stories. But, you know, it was, we think, you know, God rained manna every day. It does say that. But, you know, there were times of hunger. And expressly God was using it for a reason for those people. In Deuteronomy 8, chapter, two, uh, chapter 8 and verse 2, it says, And you shall remember... The way the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years. Think about how, what God has done for you and bring to mind. That's what we need to do sometimes, too. We need to do it often. Think about what God is doing in your life. Um, that He might humble you and test you, knowing what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. In verse 3, He humbled you and let you be hungry. And so there's times in your life that God will let you go hungry. He said, and he fed you with manna that you did not know, nor your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And so, you know, we know ourselves, you know, we, when things are going great, you know, I got things in the order and I feel, you know, pretty high on my spiritual life. And, you know, you know, things are, you know, I, I don't probably, some certain things start slipping, Right. The relationship starts slipping. And there's less interaction with God. And God brings these things in our life to shape us and mold us, right? For correction purposes. But also, He brings it into our lives sometimes 
which not sometimes, he does, because he wants this to get us to a certain point. And if we look at the development of, of human beings, right, we see kids, and uh, talking about Dale, and we'll use him again. You know, when he was a little kid, you know, what do they we tend to do? Well, when they're little, you know, you carry them around, right? They're so cute, and, and you, they're, you know, but is that what the real intention and purpose of life is? Imagine if we were all carrying adults around like that. You know, it kind of be weird. <laughs> But, you know, and next is the crawling stage, right? And I remember Dale, you know, he used to crawl, and his, and his leg was kind of bent up like that, and it was so cute, and he did these certain things. But even that, you know, that's not what the purpose of life is. What if, you know, what if we all crawled around? It would be kind of weird, right? But then there's another developmental stage. Then they move on to walking. And then after that is, you know, school and things like that. And how much did we like going to school? Well, I didn't, right? I thought it was a trial, and it was, you know, I had to work at it. But you know what? There's a purpose in these things, right? There's purpose in these steps that we're going on. And, and, and that's how God uses trials and, te- uh, and testings and personal hardships. And that's how we can adjust our vision. He uses these things able, uh, to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And this comes from in, in, in Hebrews. This has probably been one of my favorite verses um, of late, but... Listen to what the Lord says to these Christians. Listen to what the writer says through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says this in chapter 12, in verse 9. He says, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers that disciplined us, and we respected him. Shall we not not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? And so the idea is, while we were disciplined by our parents, we didn't like it, right? But we subjected them, ourselves to them because we understood that they could see things differently than what we did. As a kid, right, they're little and they're kind of looking around and they're, you know, they're walking wobbly and all they see is ball and stuff like that and they'll hit their heads and stuff. But, you know, the parent is there to make sure that they're, you know, they don't do something that's going to harm them, right? If a, you know, discipline is not just for correctional reasons in the sense that, He's acting out of line or something like that. We think of discipline as only reserved to that. What if the kid reaches up to touch something continuously hot, like a hot stove? What parent's going to allow them to do that, to let them burn their hand really hard or really hot? You know, nobody would, right? So, you know, the father's looking down, and, and, and we need to adjust our, 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 and we need to pray that God help us to adjust our perspective, two of these things. That when hardships comes in our life, there is a reason for it, right? As Peter was when he went to prison. But back in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it says, For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. You know, the fathers as best, uh, and the parents, as best as they could, they disciplined us. They wanted us to grow up to be the people and the men and women that we are. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we might share in his holiness. You know, there's something extra here. The Heavenly Father disciplined us 100% of the time for our good. As much as we could see, oh, this is so awful, you know, and maybe, you know, God forbid that we think, well, some kind of negative thing about His character. He disciplines us for our good. Why? Because we're partaking, we're now partaking in the divine nature, it says, Peter. It says that we might share in His holiness. And so there's things that we learn and He brings out through the Holy Spirit in our lives, His holiness. And in verse 11 says, All discipline for a moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, 
it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Peaceable fruit of righteousness. What is the key between the peaceable fruit of righteousness and the discipline? Did you catch it? Those who are being trained by it. And if I'm out there and God brings some kind of discipline in my life, some kind of correction, maybe it's something that I did, and, and God brings correction to, to teach me about His character and His holiness, or maybe it's something that God just brings because He wants to move me as we use that illustration of the child to a different area of my spiritual life. If I'm fighting against it, I say, no, this is not good. You know, that's what the children of Israel said. Oh, this is not good for us to go this way. And they complained against God as if God didn't care for them. They, they, they complained about His loving, caring hand. And I'm fighting against it. Fighting against it. I'm not being trained by it. Those who are being trained by it, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And there's something that God is working in your life just as it was in Peter's life. And so, as we continue our story here in verse 4, but Peter was kept in prison. And this is the very next thing. But prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. And, and a couple things to notice. You know, prayer, and I, I just write this, and, and, and it sounds elementary, but it's interacting with God. And sometimes we forget this. Let's read this story. And one thing I'm about to mention about this verse is it, it, it speaks of the church as a whole. It wasn't just, you know, uh, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so because they're the spiritual ones and I take my prayer requests to them because I know they're going to pray for them. You know, we have a prayer meeting here on Wednesday night, right? And, 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 and people tell us prayer requests, you know, pray for me. But how much do we actually do, go and do that? Right? Yeah. Uh, it's not the same thing to say, you know, I'll pray for you, brother. Right? That's sort of like the spiritual thing to say. You know, they kind of, they tell you something, oh, I'm going to pray for you. You know? But you're not actually going in God and interacting with Him. Perhaps maybe you even daydream sometimes about things. You know, I'm on, the, you know, I'm in the car and I'm daydreaming. Daydreaming is not praying either. Can you imagine if you're talking to your spouse or somebody and you're having a conversation and you just start daydreaming? They're going to think, what is this guy doing? You know? He's not even paying attention. He's not interested. Right? But there's an order, right? We pray in the, in, in, in the Son's name, the Lord Jesus, and we come in His name, we come on His basis, and we address the Father, His Heavenly Father, and there's certain things. And there's, there's a conversation, there's interaction with God, and it's a privilege. Right? I mean, you know, the world has, um, and Christian can get caught up in this too, but, you know, when things come our way, you know, we can go to certain authorities and we can, you know, try to make things right, but how much higher than those earthly authorities than, than is the right hand of God? Is there anything more higher than that? And God has given us that ability to interact with Him and to pray and for Him to, to, and, and to move on things that we are requesting, right? And of course, in accordance in His will, He's not like, you know, sometimes we think of God as some kind of, you know, we talk to Him when things are, 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 are rough, right? And now I'm going to be in prayer all night and because... You know, he's sort of like, and we, I say this reverently, like a genie, right? And I need something done, and I rub this little bottle, and, and I'm going to pray, please, Lord, please, please, you know, get this out of my life, or, or do, this in my, uh, uh, do this special thing, I need this in my life. And, and then once he, the Lord grants it, we don't even learn the lesson, right? And we don't learn as those uh, Israelites learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God is the source of everything. You know, prayer, interacting with God, but... Let's look at a point here in verse 6. It says, And on that very night when Herod was about to bring them forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. 
and guards in front of the door were standing watch over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side, and saying, Get up quickly, and his chains fell off of his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself, and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap yourself in the cloak and follow me. And he went out and continued, follow, and continued to follow. And he did not know what he was being done was, by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city. And it opened itself for them. And for, uh, opened them for itself. And, by, uh, and they, went, uh, they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel departed from them. And Peter came to himself. He says, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent his angel and has rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary and the mother of John, who, were, who was called Mark. And there were many gathered there together and praying. And he knocked at the door. Uh, he knocked at the door of the gate, and, his, and a servant girl named Rhoda came and answered. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she was insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. And Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door, they saw and they were amazed. But motioned to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had led them out of the prison. And he said, please re uh, report these things to James and the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. And the thing... A couple of things that I noticed there is while, and I, you know, you can put yourself in this situation too, you know, because I, I find myself, sometimes we pray for things and, you know, they were surprised when they saw their prayer answered. And sometimes we're surprised too, you know, we, we don't think that God can do something or God can move in some kind of miracle. And so much so you can see their heart and that they said, oh, you know what? Maybe it's his, uh, you're out of your mind. First they denied, you're a crazy person, right? Uh, God, God wouldn't, you know, so to speak, they're doubting what God has done already. And then they even take it a step farther, which is crazy to me, is like, well, maybe it's a ghost. You know, maybe it's like Casper floating around or something, and it looks like Peter. I mean, that, that's crazy. But it, again, sometimes we pray like that, yes, God, I, I want you to do something, or I ask you to do something, we interact with him, but we live as if God can't do it. And it changes the way that we live. You know, is there anything too, too power? Is there anything that God can't do? Is there anything that God can't bring together? Is there a life so uh, entrenched in sin that we've been praying for for 20, 30, 40 years that God can't rescue? No, there's not, right? We can look at ourselves, how far we were from God and how He has brought us back. And that's just one example, right? So don't give up on praying. And another thing to notice about this is that I want you to notice where they went. It says the house of Mary. You know, it wasn't just, you know, the men or the spiritual people, right? It was everybody. Age, gender, all were priests, right? That's the privilege that we brought into, the liberty to be able to interact with God and to intercede for one on one's behalf. And so much so that I don't know how much, you know, we can say about this, but, you know, this guy, John Mark, he eventually goes off with Paul and and, and then eventually with Barnabas. 
But how much was that his mother and his parents, how influential were they as spiritual leaders? You know, there's a need. They take it to the Lord fervently, not just one time, fervently in prayer. How much did that, you know, as a spiritual role model to that man as he went on to live for the Lord, right? And so, you know, just something to keep in mind. And it's not, it's not just, well, the family praying for it, or the blood family, that is, or when there's an issue. You know, we as a family of God have that opportunity to intercede on, uh, 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 on that person's behalf before God. And, and in interaction with God, the last thing I'll say about this is that know who we're praying to. Right? He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's able to do things. And, and when a miracle does happen, or, or say as something like this, sometimes you know, we want God to open up and do something like that, and immediately, sometimes there's a delay, right? The answer is no, right? We get an answer. We always think, well, God hasn't answered it in the sense that he said yes. We think yes is the only answer. Well, there is a no, right? And so sometimes we don't like to acknowledge that. And, some, and, and again, it goes back to that point of the Heavenly Father, knowing his, his perspective of seeing our life, what is good for us, right? And so there's an acceptance of that as well. Because look, do you think they didn't pray for James? I don't know, it doesn't say, but he ended up dying, right? And he ended up suffering the ultimate uh, sacrifice. But, you know, the Lord does care for his own, absolutely, right? And so still pray for one another. And then finally, the last thing is, now at the day that came, if, just bear with me if, a few more minutes, it says, now there came a day when there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become for Peter. And Herod searched for them, and having not found them, he examined the guards, and he ordered them to be led away to execution. And he went down from Judea and Caesarea, and he was spending some time there. Now he was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and on one accord they came to him, having won over Blastus, the king's chamberlain. They were asking for peace because they were fed from the, because their country was fed from the king's country. And on an appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, uh, took his seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. And the people kept crying out, a voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately the angel of the Lord struck him because he, he did not give God the glory and he was eaten of worms. But, the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. And Saul and Barnabas returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their mission, taken along with them John, who was called Mark. And so the last thing that I want to look at is the power of speech. And what do I mean by that? Is um, this man Herod, it's, it's very interesting. You read about lots of Herods. And you can look in the Thompson, actually, it gives like a little... Um, breakdown of the Herods, but there was Herod the Great, who was uh, the persecution when Jesus was born. He died. We know that he died, and you know, Joseph and Mary went back to Nazareth. But then there was Herod. There was another Herod, which was his son, which was one of his sons, the one that beheaded John. And then there's this Herod, uh, which was called Herod Agrippa, and he was granted lands because he was a good politician, and the emperor that was in Rome, you can read about it, um, you know, he aided him when he wasn't the emperor, so he returned the favor and made him king. So this guy was a pretty educated person. He knew the right people. And, you know, the people cried out, the voice of God and not of man. And the point is, is that there are many voices of gods in this world. There's things to draw out, even the Christians, draw our attention and draw our focus away from the Lord. 
And what the thing that we need to be reminded of is what is it that, that endures to the end? What is the thing that's going to, to last? Well, it says it, that, it says it right there. It says that the word of the Lord continue to grow and to be multiplied. The Lord is eternal and so is his word. Because the person is eternal and he's everlasting, so is his word. And his word is going to be accomplished. Right? And so the voice of a God, you know, that, that is a struggle, I think, with every Christian. There's things to draw our attention. There's things that we're sucked into, and it's not necessarily a person. There's, it's the world system or whatever it is. And it, and it seems so appealing, just as we were just hearing. Actually, I didn't even know about that until yesterday. I kind of looked at the website, and, and you know, the guy did all this cryptology and, and kind of went through the numbers and said the Lord was coming back. And, you know, that's silly. You know, if the Lord was going to tell us something... He's told us already, right? He's not going to write it in some Indiana Jones manner and like try to expect us to decipher it, right? But the voice of uh, the Lord of the Lord will continue and grow and multiply. There's also another interesting thing, too. We notice that Herod actually has been judged by the Lord. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of things that, you know, as we, we think about Herod, you know, it, it, we're tempted to say he got what he deserved, you know, there's also another person in our very immediate history who was a pretty bad person, evil. And finally, this nation had got to him and killed him, right? His name is Osama bin Laden. And, and, sometime, and, and, and God help us to be, well, he got what he deserved. Why? That guy is nothing different than my standing in God now. He could have came to the Lord. He could have been right with God upon the basis of what the Lord Jesus did. And you notice that those Christians did not pray for the death of Herod. They didn't celebrate over his death. They didn't say, oh, praise God, this guy's out of the way. It doesn't say that. They didn't pray for him to be removed. They didn't pray for a favorable government so they can continue in church and do their activities. What did they pray for? They prayed for the, the people that were being suffering, right? It serves as a model to us. And God forbid that we rejoice over certain people dying or certain people meeting their God as their judge. It's a, it's a scary thing. That per, you know, if Osama bin Laden, if he never came to repentance, he's in hell right now. That's something sobering, right? And so, and same with this man. And so the point is, too, is from God's perspective, is when we're dealing with and we see uh, the evil and the ongoing injustices, who is the ultimate person who's going to take care of it? It's not other than God himself. And so God himself uh, intervenes at this time, um, but ultimately God the Son will be revealed and he'll come back to put down evil once and for all. And so that's something that we don't have to worry about. That's something that we don't have to involve ourselves in politics and, and try to change the world through you know, certain uh, uh, policies and things like that. No, the simple task is the gospel, and that's what we take and we, and we see souls saved, right? We see brands plucked up from the burning. And so just four things that we can, uh, that I can and we can adjust our vision, see where we're walking, and see what the early church did, how they modeled their life, what they, uh, when things came, uh, when things were hard and hardships came in their life, what did they do? Well, they, the perpetual evil in the world, they continued. They persevered. Why? Because of their high priest who's in heaven at the right hand of God. He overcame the world. Uh, he overcame the world. He has, he has uh, conquered it. And now we, through that, have our conquerors as well. 
right? And even though we see things not in order yet and they're not happening the way we think they should, eventually they will, right? And what God has said he will do, he will uh, complete. The second thing is personal suffering. What if we find out ourselves in hardships and we we feel things that are not comfortable to us? Let's find out through God's word what he's trying to work out in our life. You know, there's things that he's... uh, Peter talks about, you know, add to your faith uh, virtue and patience and, and this and that. You know, if faith is great, right? Salvation is, and when somebody is saved, that's uh, wonderful, right? We're now redeemed. We're now we're on our way to heaven. But there's something more, right? Eternal life and enjoyment of it and, and partaking in God's character. There's things that God wants to see us to grow in. And he uses hardships and personal suffering to get, it, to, to get us there, to be humble before him and allow him to work in our life. And then there's prayer. How much do we need to be praying for one another? All the time, right? We need to be interacting with God for one another and interceding. And finally, there's many voices of other gods in this world, but what is the voice that we should heed? What is the voice that should direct us? It's the voice of the Lord. It's his word. And uh, the power of speech, the Lord is eternal, um, and so is his word. And so may God help me and help you as we continue to read and discover what his will is in this world and to adjust our vision and how we live. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we just thank you for this night. And Lord, we, starting with myself, Lord, we are so distracted sometimes with certain uh, uh, temporal things, Lord. And we just pray that we would have our spiritual eyes and our visions open, uh, just like that servant, Lord, uh, Elisha's servant, as he was surrounded and he thought that the, uh, the, the, the time and, and the situation was despair, but his eyes were open to the reality that God was on his side. And so, Lord, we just uh, thank you for your character, Lord, and your heavenly, that you are a heavenly father and working out certain things in our life. We just pray, Lord, that we would be trained by it, Lord, and that we would allow you to work through our lives and be humble before you. And also, we just thank you for your son, Lord Jesus Christ, who has secured our salvation for us. And we just pray in his name and ask your blessing upon the rest of this day. In Lord Jesus Christ's name, we do pray. Amen.